BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hey guys, what is up? And welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I have such an interesting episode for you today. It is with Alexandra Patora. She is the founder of Freya Cosmetics and has a podcast called Backbone, Not Wishbone. But I loved her story because it's a story of resilience and just sheer determination. She grew up in communist Romania and she gives us a background on what that was like. And, you know, I've read about it in history books, but I've never met someone who like experienced that in real life. So it was just fascinating to hear what it was like on the ground and what it was like growing up and how hard it was for her to go from communist Romania to moving to LA, which is something that she manifested at a very, very young age and kind of set her sights on. So it's an incredible story. You know, from there, we talk about journey as like a, her career journey. It's it's such a great conversation and will really, really inspire you. She's full of great tips. She has amazing energy and is just such a resilient human being. I mean, I was really incredibly inspired by her and I think you guys will love her. Before we dive into the show, let's get into this week's hot tip, which is the Gold Fadden MD. I think I'm saying that right. I'm not sure, but it's their lip therapy, um, lip treatment. So I've been using this as a lip balm, obviously, because that's what it is, <laughs> um, for the last few weeks. And I really, really love the product. Um, I've just had a history of like very sensitive lips and they get really dry and just have like a host of issues. So I'm very particular about which products I put on my lips just because I have like a lot of allergies and stuff like that. And this is an awesome product, keeps my lips hydrated and it just like feels really, really nice. So you guys should definitely check that out. Also, I am loving all the reviews you guys are leaving me. I'm just so grateful. So this week's review comes from L.R. Hayer. 
and it says, finally found it. Wow, I have been looking for an authentic podcast to relate to for so long, and I have finally found it. I've never been able to take so much away from a podcast. Throughout the episodes, you find ways to better yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. I end every episode feeling so motivated. Sif explores many important topics with the most amazing guests who offer advice and tips. Sif truly is the definition of an empowered woman. I cannot wait to keep listening. Thank you. Well, thank you, L.R. Hare. This is such a nice review. And guys, honestly, if you have, you know, five seconds on your hands and um, feel like the show has brought you value, please, please, please do go down to the review section of the Apple podcast app. Essentially, you might have it open right now. You just scroll down to the bottom and hit rate and leave a review. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're loving about the show, what you're not liking, who your favorite guests are, what's resonating, all of that good stuff, because it just helps the show grow. It helps me um, continue to bring topics that you guys love. And I would just appreciate it so much. And if you haven't heard my journaling episode yet, I am doing a giveaway for anyone who leaves a review. I came up with a journaling worksheet with four different prompts. And if you leave a review and just screenshot it for me and then email it to me, to my email, sifa.h91 at gmail.com. I'll leave it in the show notes. I will just send you that free journaling worksheet, which I think is very good. I mean, I might sound biased, but these are the journaling prompts that have really helped me. So I hope they help you too. And I hope you take a second to leave a review. With that, let's welcome Alexandra to the Dream Bigger podcast. The first thing that I think we should start with is that you grew up in communist Romania, which I don't even think most people can grasp what that was like. Can you take us back? What was that time in your life like? I mean, like get really detailed. Good question. Um, life in Romania during um, mid to late 80s when uh, when I was born and raised entailed gas, electricity, water shut off every night at 5 p.m. Uh, paper wall thins, um, I mean, thin as paper. <laughs> so you would sleep at night with your jacket and your hat because during the winter time, I mean, we have cold Eastern block winters. So you have to sleep with your gloves on so you don't freeze to death. There are people freezing to death all the time. That, that was actually a thing. Food was being rationed. So my first memory in life actually is waiting in line uh, for food. And it was winter time. And I remember I was a little girl and I looked at my mom and I, that's the first memory that I have. And I remember I touched my nose with my glove and it hurt because it was so frosty that it, it was it was painful because you have to wait for hours on end. And depending on the size of your household, the government would tell you how much food you would get. Yes, the food was free, the education was free. There were a lot of free things, but they all had a cost. The cost of free food was you can only get X amount of it and you will only get X amount of categories. So since my mom... It was just her and I, we weren't really getting things like beef and other things. We would get a little poultry and 10 eggs a month and some bread. And then whatever you would make from your job, let's say if it left room, you could get maybe things like rice or beans to kind of, you know, add like pizzazz, zhuzh up your meal. 
but um, it's rough. And neighbors turning against neighbors. Neighbors would be encouraged, essentially, to rat on their fellow neighbors. For what? Um, well, to give you actually a prime example, um, to my mom, I was too little to remember this, but my mom tells this story to everyone willing to listen. But it was roughly 2 o'clock in the morning when our neighbor's door got burst into by the KGB or whomever we assume. She assumes it was a KGB, but broken into. The husband gets removed from his family. Nobody ever saw him again. We, we don't know where they took him. But it was on the tip of a neighbor that he may, emphasis on may, not he has or or he had, it's he may have an American uh, cassette tape of an American movie. So obviously in a totalitarian government, anything that's capitalist is very frowned upon. So that was terrible. America was a, was a demon and um, AIDS was running rampant on the streets and people were gross and greedy and America is just the devil. So to have something American was an insult. So why didn't people band together or like, like, and this is like, I'm just trying to understand the psychology of people as you're in it, because, you know, you read it in history books, but like what stops people from banding together and like rioting against this sort of living condition? That is such a good question. And this is why you're a tremendous interviewer is what you said earlier in my podcast, when you made the reference uh, to French history, mm-hmm. it's little things that you ignore here and there because there are benchmarks, there are, there are checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romania was one of the most thriving countries mm-hmm. in Europe. We were called Little Paris. Wow. Um, yeah, we were thriving from a technology standpoint, architectural standpoint. Our doctors were some of the greatest in Europe. But communism, it had a, it was a, it was a slope. It didn't just flip a switch and now we're communist. There were different checkpoints to get there. It started with some censorship and on the part of the media, little things kind of getting, and, and people were like, eh, that's not going to affect me. It's not a big deal. Um, and then this little builds on top of each other and they're like building blocks, right? So next thing you know, without you even realizing, you are totally subjugated into a system that will dictate what you're going to eat, how much you're going to, how many cars you're going to have, if you're going to have any. And so when you're at that point, again, because you chose to close a blind eye, because mm-hmm. this maybe didn't affect you and who cares about, you know, other people. Um, and that's sad, but that was just a cold reality. And then by the time you're that deep in, um, the system itself, it, it's ingrained into everything. Your phones are tapped into. It's very difficult to, I mean, if you're snatched in the middle of the night for having a cassette tape, imagine saying actually something about the government. So you live in this perpetual fear now. That's essentially how it happens. And and the revolution that happened really was um, was just underground. You know, it, it took years of building underground and many people have lost their lives uh, in this pursuit of one day revolting. That is crazy. Mm. So I have to ask as like a couple of follow-up questions is number one, I guess like to do with communism at that, like in Romania specifically, was this something that only touched the lives of like the masses or like were the, like were the upper crust sort of left out of this? Were they corrupt? Like could they buy their way out of this sort of treatment or was everyone kind of in the same boat? That is a really good question. From my experience and what I've seen, heard, and learned about, so middle class was eliminated. So that was the first thing. So it was only the very, very rich or the very, very poor. The very rich, uh, I mean, you could buy your way into anything. So if you had money, you could buy your, you could, like, for example, my mom, she has this uh, disease 
that um, that she got when she was a little girl because her mother essentially abandoned her. So she couldn't really have babies. When she got pregnant with me by accident, every doctor told her, no, you're going to have to abort because either you die, she lives when you give birth. She dies, you live. Um, I don't know if I just repeated myself or, you know, the, the opposite. Or you both live, but she will have severe developmental issues. And my mom, she was kind of a woman of faith of sorts. And she really thought that I would be okay. And it turns out she was right. But uh, in, in essence, my dad, had to bribe the doctors with, you're going to laugh, uh, a carton of Marlboro cigarettes or um, like a bottle of rum or whiskey or Romanian polinka, you know, et cetera, um, for them to actually nurture my mom through this process. So yes, if you could afford it, I mean, and we were, we were not, we did not have money, but she found a way because she really wanted to get something out of a system that otherwise would say no. So to answer the question, um, middle class was eliminated, which is part of the process and that's what they want. Uh, because the, the very, very poor then are more easily fearful and more easily maneuvered and manipulated. And then those who have money, even if they don't want something um, and, and they want to revolt, the, I mean, you're going against an entire tyrannic regime. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very difficult. And that's what I love about America is like, we can think like that. Well, why wouldn't you do that? But back, you know, when you're in the trenches in that kind of mentality, like a North Korea or a China or, you know, other places that are far more suppressive, you you just can't. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. you let it get to that. You just can't. It will take a massive war or a revolution to even try to kind of shake it off. So even the people that had money that didn't want this, what are they going to do? Where mm-hmm. are they going to go? So they had to pay their way through whatever, trying to you know get an extra thing of potatoes. Holy shit! That's yeah. that's yeah, really it was, fascinating. It was fucking gnarly. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworker's promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments, you know, without sounding like a complete jerk? Careers are complicated and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast, a weekly advice show that takes your workplace dilemmas and offers you a better way forward. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. So, you know, you're talking about it's not just like a today it's capitalist, tomorrow mm-hmm. it's communist or like it's I mean, revolutions or like change, like big changes never happen that way. So I have to ask and I'm going to go there. But like, how do you feel about cancel culture today? Oh. Because, you know, I think that we are in this place in the world, which is it's really unfortunate. But I feel like most people don't even want to hear a different perspective. It doesn't matter if you disagree with it. It's almost like if it's not my way, it's like no way at all, you know, like yeah. get the fuck out of here. Yep. And I feel like it's it's quite limiting, you know, like it, it's okay, like in my opinion, and it's always been like that, that like it's okay to have a conversation with someone I disagree with. We just kind of agree to disagree, right. but I'm not going to shut them down and be like, no, my one's the only proper opinion. So what are your thoughts about the current climate? I think it's terrible. I think it's absolutely terrible. I think it's part of a decay of a society. Mm. It's when you get to the point where you have an inability to carry a conversation. And and here's anyone listening that is willing to support cancel culture. There are two things that I want people to keep in mind. And it is my firm belief. And I've met, I mean, I've lived four different lives by now. I've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. I've lived in different countries. I've lived many different experiences. I've seen a lot. So if anybody can just take my word for it, 
is what I found that's very interesting, which is that most people, most people, and I say this with the most amount of confidence, are good people. Yeah. They just communicate differently. Mm. So somebody that we may think is of a polar opposite view, if we just give them the opportunity to speak their truth and ask questions, and then we may realize, well, wait a minute, it may seem like they support something, but deep down, they want the same thing that I do. Mm-hmm. But if we cut the branch from underneath them and don't even give them a chance. We will never know. So now we are limiting our own beliefs because you're never going to grow if if your beliefs are not challenged in any way. If you cannot have a a back and forth dialogue, you're never going to grow. But two, it's just a heartless thing to do. It doesn't matter what somebody said or does. First of all, innocent until proven guilty. seems that we forgot about that concept as well. But second of all, Do we really are so, are we this heartless that we believe people cannot change? Are we so strict that we don't even want to give someone an option to grow? Mm. How are we going to grow? Yeah, it's so true. And the way I think of it is Sorry, I speak so passionately about it because it's terrible. it, It is really terrible. And like the way I think about it is that you don't, really learn lessons from being like kicked down. I feel like it's just curiosity and someone like saying something that maybe unlocks something within you. So like, even if it is like someone with an opposing view and you want to change their mind, right? Right. I think that there is a way to approach it as opposed to just like shutting it down. Exactly. And also I think that, you know, if, if you don't ever speak to someone, you don't understand what's happened in their life to have them be able to think a certain way, right? right? Because like your lived experience is quite different from mine, right? It's different from another person. And if we only root our reality in our experience, like we, we don't even get to broaden our vision to be like, holy shit, like maybe they've lived through something different that's making them feel this way. Like it's not that they're inherently a bad person. Exactly. It's just that this is what's happened in their life and right. this exists. And like, right. I think compassion is really important when it's like the way that's forward. Mm-hmm. Compassion. We're very... And I think also that it is our culture to blame a little bit because the last... 10 years, let's say, we have moved more toward a culture that wants that um, instant reward, um, that instant gratification, Mm. instant, instant, instant. So if it's not now, then it's not good. We're going to toss it to the side. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and I really do encourage, like, obviously all our listeners here to be more open-minded and able to have conversations, whether you agree or disagree with someone, it doesn't matter. Like, there's always a way to do it with kindness and compassion. I think we just go, like, it gets us much further in and life. you know i always tell people if not for nothing if you don't want to be kind do it selfishly exactly because yes you may learn something oh yes it may open your mind you may gain a different perspective even if you don't want to admit it on the spot yeah you grow yeah i couldn't agree yeah. more so going back to your story a little bit you know you're in communist romania and then obviously i followed your story and like that that time ended what motivated you to want to move to the U.S.? You know, what even unlocked that part of you that you were like, I'm going to do this shit? Yeah. So um, there was, um, 
even even after the revolution happened, mm-hmm. I mean, to try to get back to quote unquote normal life, I mean, <laughs> it's gonna take decades. Yeah, what Romania even is still, normal? You know, I mean, my country, my native country, is one of the most beautiful countries you've ever been to. But it's a country that has suffered immensely and is still not recovered. It's still very corrupt. It's still so that will take time, right? But when I was thirteen years old, was the first time that I remember seeing American television. Mm. And um, I remember, oh, and I'm going to, there's going to be somebody listening right now that may cringe, okay? But I remember watching Beverly Hills, 90210. And here's what, to, to paint a picture for you, okay? I was 13 years old. We had nothing outside. It's snowing. It's so cold. People are not even able to walk on a shoot. It's that cold. Inside, I have a jacket on because it's cold outside and, like I said, paper-thin walls. So I'm this little girl, and I'm watching TV, and I see people in this country where it's sunny, and they they drive in cars with no roofs, <laughs> and they're smiling all the time, and there's music, and there's laughter, and there's this beautiful weather, and here I am, 13, hungry, wearing my clothes in my house because it's that cold outside. So to me, it did something to me. I couldn't believe that. Wait, is this real? Is this real life? Or what is this? So in that very moment in my mind, I knew that what was going to happen in Romania over the next several decades, I will be long dead before Romania is going to have the kind of freedoms and opportunities that we have here. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't willing to wait. I had too many big dreams. And I I really believe even though I was the daughter of an um, uh, the only daughter of a single mother there was something in me that absolutely believed that I can be something and I can make something with my life and I can make a difference and I knew that unfortunately Romania as great as it is it just it wouldn't have the platform the launchpad for me to do that so it's in that moment that I decided I'm going to go to the US how Psh. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know. We didn't have family here. We didn't have friends here. We didn't have any. I didn't have anybody. I came by myself when I was 18. I said, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. The moment I could travel by myself, I'm like, okay, mom. She knew this was coming. And I said, I I have to go. I I have to figure it out. So then at 13, Mm -hmm. you have this epiphany. What's that like plan you devise for yourself? And like, yeah, I guess like what can you teach people about this? Because that's a massive goal to have yes. at that young an age and to actually have the maturity to see it through at 18, just five years later. Like that is no easy feat. Thank you. So um, and that's such a good question because I see a lot of folks making plans um, and either they try to visualize it into existence and just settle with that or they hope and they wish for the best, but they don't really take action. And to me, um, every single time I have a goal, like I had a goal for my business. I had a call to come to America. When I take a goal, what I the first thing that I try to do is that I try to break it up into different checkpoints, sort of speak, different action plans. So to me, coming to America, seemingly impossible. Um, I was thinking, okay, how? How could I, how could I, how could I get to America? What could it be? What could it be? Okay, school. That's an easy one, right? School, I could maybe be a really good student. That would be the game plan. I'm going to start studying like my life depends on it, which I felt like it did. I'm going to study like my life depends on it. I'm going to be that girl that will never skip a class, will never miss a class, will will be the first one and the last one to, first one to show up, last one to leave. I will devour every single book that I get. I was at five o'clock in the morning, I was waiting at the library. I'm like, okay, any moment now, because I made a friend there and they were able to open early for me and just because at seven o'clock I needed to be in school. So 
school was one of them. You know, I can be an exemplary student and I can get a scholarship. I can come to America. Then the Romanian American University opened in Romania. I said, oh my God, this is it. I'm going to work really hard to get in it and then excel there. And so it's it's essentially trying to think of the various different ways. And then I take, so I take the goal and I break it down into big action steps. And then I take each major action step and I break it down into manageable tasks. And that is how I keep this organized. And I put it on paper. It's always on paper or if you do it on your, whatever. But you have to see everything at a glance. And then you just start um, things like, and I was unwillingly, uh, unknowingly doing this, but like the Pomodoro technique when I would stay very focused on a task, uh, 20 to 30 minutes, no interruptions, single, very laser focused on this task. Okay, then I know that part of this action step, I have to do this. I will do that. So it's very follow through oriented. Uh, for me, ultimately, I ended up being a little bit on the luckier side. And this is what is so interesting because I think that this universe, when when you have something in your mind that is so powerful and so very clearly defined, mm-hmm. I didn't want to just come to America. I wanted to come to America and live in Orange County, California. I was very specific, specific yeah. very specific. If you're not specific, it's like shooting shit against uh, the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. So I was very specific. So that's number one. Number two, you break it into action steps. Um, and then I feel like when you have this um, intent and when you have the vision of, at least from your narrow humanoid standpoint, how you're going to get there, and then you follow through and you do it and you live it, you breathe it. This is all I did. I didn't have friends. I would cry, but I would stay motivated because I knew I don't need them. I'm not going to need friends when I'm going to leave because I'm going to have to make new friends. So I was very laser focused. But the universe somehow gives you these serendipitous moments. That's true. And what had happened to me is that I, I ended up joining this girl band, music. And I was part of music. And I was part of Romanian pop culture for a couple of years. And then when I went to the embassy, oh, Alexandra from the band Asia, there's no way she's going to leave what she has. So of course, they gave me a visa to come to America. Yeah, yeah. Serendipitous moments. So then... I like I know this part of your story mm-hmm. and like you know you were like the Britney Spears of <laughs> Romania which is so cool but like did you, you study music as well like I did. It, like and was that on purpose that you just wanted to keep as many avenues open as possible That is a good question. Um one would think I would yeah. but for some reason I just didn't see music as being what would get me there ironically enough but I am music musically inclined and I had this little teeny tiny organ that my mom bought me when I was like 14, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would listen to a commercial and I would run to it and I would play the song from the memory bank. And I always loved music. So yes, I I took um, music classes. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, it's it's super interesting. So, you know, I want to talk about the concept of mental toughness and resilience because, you know, when people go through what you went through, right? I think that it can either make you someone who plays a victim, that everything's wrong with me and like I am the victim of my circumstances and like how can I expect something Mm. better because like, you know, life has given me so much shit and then it produces people like you where you are so goal-oriented and you're like, fuck it, like this, all of this has prepared me for taking on the challenge to pursue maybe a really lofty goal. Like, Talk to me about mental toughness. Like, how can someone develop that and like that sort of, I guess, mentality? It is my firm belief that we're not born with resilience and willpower. Willpower, for example, is like a muscle. 
Yes, I always say yes, this. It is, but it is. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's actually I think willpower is in our prefrontal cortex, and the brain is a muscle. So, like with anything, you have to work that muscle out. You can't expect I am not gonna not go to the gym and then all of a sudden go to the gym and lift three hundred pound weights and be like, Hush, I'm a rock star. No, I'll break my back before that happens. Mm-hmm. So, but if I build on it, then yes, I'll be able to. Mental toughness to me is a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I am very emotional and very weak. Um, there are a lot of things that, that break me down, or at least it's in my, it's in my nature to break me down. Mm -hmm. Um, and even to this day, something happens with, with Freya, with my brand. Oh, I immediately like go into like, uh, the problem that I think, and I think where somebody looking to kind of become more mentally tough, where you have to start is you really have to have a goal. You really have to have a, a desire that is so organic to you. You don't have it because you've seen someone else do it now you want it too. No, this is in your core. This is what you want. And you want it so bad. You want it so bad that you will climb mountains for it. You will cross oceans for it. When something brings you down, you will pick yourself back up just because it's something that you want so badly. And also, I think it's, so it's that combined with discipline. I had to discipline myself into my mental toughness. So when something brings me down to this day, the first thing that I do is I acknowledge it and I didn't know it's petty and I'm petty and I'm this and I'm that. But two things here, I never talk down to myself. I never call myself an idiot. I never say, of course you did this, Alex, you fucking idiot. Like I never talk to myself like that. Um, So that was a really big step into my mental toughness is to never belittle me like that. How can I be tough if I refer to myself as stupid? That's never going to happen. Number one, so treat yourself kindly. Give yourself the grace. Number two, allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. And (laughs) some will laugh, but what what I do do when I'm really down and something I feel like broke me, I give myself like a grace period. I give myself 24 hours. I'm going to be petty and I'm going to cry today and I'm going to feel broken. I'm going to feel broken. But my alarm, because I put, I set my alarm and tomorrow goes off in the morning. And I said, you're a tough bitch. Fucking figure it out. Get your shit back together. You got this. You know, so it's that practice. It's so smart because that's kind of how we treat our friends, right? Like Mm -hmm. if our friend is going through something shitty, right? Like I'm not talking something like small, like, I don't know, like doesn't matter. But like when it's something really shitty, like a breakup or a big disappointment, what do you do? You're like gentle with them. And then after that period goes, you don't just let them wallow forever. That's it. You're like, okay, girl, like get Mm -hmm. back on on your feet. That is such a good analogy. So it's really interesting. And I love love what you say about like treating yourself kindly because we treat everyone else kindly, right? Like our friends, our loved ones, but oftentimes we're so cruel to ourselves, Cruel, you know? And I think that being like speaking to yourself internally, like that internal dialogue, treating yourself like you treat your best friend or your child or your mom or whatever it is, I think is so important. Absolutely. That is so powerful. Really powerfully said. And honestly, the more you tell yourself you're a certain way, you will become that way because Mm. you start subconsciously convincing yourself of that. Yeah. So no, treat yourself with respect and kindness. And I give myself that 24 hours to wallow and be broken. And that's okay because it's in, that's just, I'm, you know, but then okay, how am I picking myself back up? And of course, that comes with a very detailed to-do list where I put tasks and, and goals in motion and I figure out action plans for each task and I treat everything. Um, it's not sexy, but I treat everything in my life from my personal relationships to my business like it's an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the way to go. When, when you do feel really down and something happens, right? 
like something that you just didn't expect and like it's just really got you. What gets you re-motivated to get back into your goals? Like, do you listen to something? Do you read something? Like, you know, is it just like within yourself, like you go look at your vision board or you just go over like your to-do list or your big goal that you've written somewhere? Like, what's your method if you have one even? Yeah, I would say um, the first thing that I do is actually literally lit it out of my system. Mm-hmm. Because we've, as, especially as as women, we've been taught that, oh, we need to, you know, if, if you're showing too much emotion, then you're emotional and mm. then you won't get, you know. So we have a tendency to suppress a lot of what we're feeling. The first step for me really comes from release. Yeah. Um, it's it, So if I literally, because I don't want to scare my neighbors, because I live in like a little beach city, so everyone <laughs> hears every like you practically fart and everybody knows, oh, <laughs> Alex had beans for lunch again. <laughs> That's why we got you your bloat. No more farting. You know, exactly. Exactly. I let it out till I feel like there's nothing else to left out. I, mm-hmm. I will get it out first yeah. because I cannot treat myself and get better if it's still lingering. Yeah. So first step for me is really letting it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next step for me is, I, you know, what I've learned throughout life is truly everything does have impeccable timing. It may not be my timing, but it has impeccable timing. So I ask myself, what's there to learn? You know, there there has to be something. What am I not seeing? Obviously, I'm too narrow-minded. I haven't seen that this has a purpose. It has, what is it? And I either figure it out or I don't. But the process of kind of approaching my problem that way and trying to understand why has this, I'm not just sitting here, why has this happened to me? It's like, no, but really, why has this happened to me? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a different tone. It's a completely different tone. It's true. I think that tough, like tough situations are often our greatest teachers. And it's, you know, I think that it's such a reframe to be like, okay, but like, what can I learn from this? Like, how can I make the most of this? How can I like, how can I learn from it so that, you know, this doesn't happen again? Or like I improve in the future. I think you're you're so right. It can be a very powerful thing. The only way you get tough is if you have tough situations or tougher situations than you actually, that's how you get tough. If if I want to be tougher than I am right now, then I will need a hell like like life will need to give it to me very hard, harder, mm-hmm. much harder, and that's how I toughen up. Yeah, and it's true. not my, it's not the timing that I want. It's not what I want to have happen. But I wanted to be tough, mm-hmm. and I wanted to excel, or I wanted to create something. So yeah. there it is. This is what comes with it. So powerful. So once you got to the U.S., going back to your story, what the fuck happens? Like, like, tell me, like, get me really granular because you are just this girl from Romania. You mm-hmm. have no one. You are 18 years mm-hmm. old on your own. Like, do you have a life plan? Like, I, I mean, what happens? That's a really good question. So this was the second time I would have come to America. The first time I came with a band, mm-hmm. we got asked to perform for the Romanian communities mm-hmm. in various cities, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Detroit, Orange County, etc. Um, and for me, because... I was going to be in America. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It didn't, I was just going to be like, oh my God, I want to take pictures. And like, this is totally going to be like, so like amazing. Mm-hmm. That was not how I approached this. In my mind, I was like, okay, I am given the opportunity to go somewhere where I ultimately want to move. So every single concert that I had wasn't a concert. I wasn't meeting people to shake their hands and take a picture. My goal was I had a list of questions that I had memorized from, you know, what do you recommend someone that's going to move up here? What are some things to look out for? How is your community? How is your community toward immigrants? Um, How does one find a phone? How does one find a job? How does one get a car? Do you need a car here? Or is it transport? Like I had very specific questions Mm -hmm. in mind. Um, At the end of each concert, I would make sure that I get people's names. And I was there to network. Mm -hmm. This is one of the key differentiating factors between me and a lot of people that I know that are like, oh, how do I figure it out? This is how you do it. This is how you figure it out. Yeah. You know? So 
I ultimately, at the end of the trip, it boiled down between New York and California. Those where I felt like, okay, I've spoken with people from those areas that I feel like I could rely on mm -hmm. because I was coming here by myself. And the reality is that nobody can do anything by themselves. You really, I, I, that's just what I believe anyway. I completely agree. We yeah. all, we're all stepping stones for each, for each other. We help each other out, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and the universe, of course, is going to give you tenfold. But I knew I couldn't do this by myself. So I needed to know people that I felt I could trust that would be reliable. And there would be a community of Romanian people that would be willing to help. So we boiled down to these two cities. So I kept in touch with both. And then ultimately, I made the decision that, okay, it's going to be California. I mean, obviously, I was biased. It had to be. But once I made the decision that I want to come to America, I started putting the pieces together. So I was talking to the people that I kept in touch with. And I told them, here's my plan. What do you recommend? They all immediately wanted to jump in and help me. And um, so by the time I bought my plane ticket, I left the band and I bought the plane ticket, I knew what hotel I'm going to stay in, for how long, who is going to be able to help me find a cell phone. Um, I was given the directions of, um, here's a store that's going to be right next to the hotel that you're going to find this. This is how you're going to find this. This is how you're going to find that. Um, and we're going to be able to help you find employment, like put you in touch with an INS attorney. So I had this plan. I, I So I got some money that I had saved up from the band and I told myself, okay, I literally have like roughly 10 months to a year to get all this. This is how long I could live on a bare minimum to try to make it happen here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I, what, what, what was I going to, you know, okay, yeah, sure, it's scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's, but what do you have to lose? Yeah, and like I guess the go the back to yeah. yeah the prospect also of like living in Romania at that point was almost like scarier than going right. on this like grand adventure and having to figure it out right so but I wanted it See, that's yeah. the thing I feel like most people nowadays they want this skewed social media smoke and mirror things they, we're not authentically ourselves anymore there's a lot of that so when you don't have what your passion really is then you're gonna struggle with how you're gonna get there how you know you're how you're gonna stay motivated and things like that like that. It's so true what you say, because when I think of Array, like it was never, what if I fail? It was mm. always like, this is going to work. It has to fucking work. Right. Like this is going to work. And I feel like it's the same for you that like, it was not even like, oh, what if it doesn't like, no, it was like, I'm going to fucking figure it out. I'll figure like, it out. I'm just going to, this exactly. is how it's going to go. There is no other, there's no plan B. Yeah. This is, this is plan how A. How did you do it? I honestly figured it out. Yeah. You know? So I I heard that you made your first million uh, pretty quickly. Real estate, yes. So once you had made that money, what happened? Did you start investing it? Were you saving? Like, what were you doing with your money? So I was very fortunate to get into the mortgage and real estate industry the moment I, like, I was third week here in America, and I began working. Um, and I started working as a receptionist, and I kind of started working my way up to mm -hmm. a loan processor, junior, then senior, and and all that. So um, there were a couple of people that I was associated with that really wanted to invest in real estate. So I became kind of part of this group, and every penny that we were making, we we're putting it into this fund, and then this this fund essentially was investing in different real estate pieces. And that's how I made my first million when I was 19 years old. But the problem was that I didn't know how to manage money. Because one of the things that I've No one teaches you this <laughs> shit, do they? Literally, no Learning no one. algebra in school. No one. And I'm about to say something that I'm sure there will be people out there that will find this very controversial. But from my experience, what I've learned is very easy to make money in America. I agree. I, I actually, this is just me. Don't don't hate on me. Don't cancel me. This is just because I, you know, I encourage someone to go live in Romania for a change and see how. If you hustle, right. 
you can make money you here. I, I like you just can like I come from Bangladesh okay yeah. like I see people on the streets like Ugh. I understand minimum wage mm-hmm. like there is a very different thing from here like you can hustle and make money here I agree with you yeah I it's just and we had actually one of our businesses was uh, in uh, Trivandrum in like the south of and, and anyway my point is you can make money easily here in America the problem is that we are not cultured um, in how to manage money, um, how to make um, a dollar out of 15 cents, you know? So, um, of course, I started making really bad choices. And yeah. I thought that I needed that car. I thought that I needed that place to live. I thought I needed those shoes and those clothes. And I was pissing money away. Like, yeah. you would think that I it was my job. Like, I'm getting paid to just throw it all to Nordstrom's. Um, and um, I made very, very poor choices. I did not invest. I did not do any of that. So, by the time I was 24, I was filing for bankruptcy. Wow. So, and that was a very, Rough. very gnarly process. Um, everything was frozen for me. I had to essentially start from scratch again. Oh my and God. with still with a family that depended on me in Romania. And now I'm smart. Now I invest. Now I live well below my means. Now um, I go for the unsexy businesses. That's one of the things that I've learned. If it's the uncooler and unsexier it is, count me in. We invest in self-storage. We invest in waste management. Um, we invest in uh, logistics. The uglier and messier it is, the more I have found that is very sustainable. And uh, when markets crash, when things fluctuate, that's really kind of where you're nesting at. Um, What got you into social media? Because this is also like another kind of stream of income. Mm. And beyond that, it's also something you're really passionate about. So why social media? So in um, in 2009, I realized that social media really was the way things are going to go. It was, you know, kind of no man's land still. But um, I felt like there would this is where it's going. So I'm like, okay, I need to have a business. My husband was very encouraging. So how I got into social media actually is I had started a business and um, I was essentially trying to pitch these services to various businesses and trying to get them to pay me so I can create their voice and be their voice on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can create content. I manage. I create campaigns. I execute. Everyone thought I was crazy around me. It's like, oh, good luck. Somebody's going to pay you to talk about them on, to post on, on their behalf on Facebook. I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, that's kind of how it happened. And what was interesting is that I had my own social media platforms, but not like I wasn't creating content for myself. I was just watching. I was just sitting back and watching what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started teaching myself essentially how to be a social media manager. And I felt confident. I started working with a lot of people, reality TV stars, Hollywood celebrities, um, entrepreneurs, small, middle-sized companies. Um, and he did really well. But After about five years, um, it wasn't interesting to me anymore. It just Mm -hmm. became very redundant. Mm -hmm. And I like to be very stimulated, very challenged. Um, So it wasn't a creative outlet for me anymore. And one of the things that I realized is that even if I'm dealing with a top of the top Hollywood celebrity, like you see him in all the box office movies, um, I still have to run the concept by his team and they're not going to get the vision. And it was just, ugh, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, oh, for heaven's sakes. So I needed a creative outlet. So I started creating content online just for myself. Yeah. So I went on YouTube and I created the first video that I ever did, which was about how I dealt with depression. Mm. This was 2013. People were so openly speaking about depression and anxiety back then on YouTube. Um, but I I didn't care. I give two fucks. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is what I, if I can't be the only one. So it turns out that that video did really well. And one day, 
I got an email from someone who found me on YouTube and said, I just want you to know this was my second suicide attempt. And before doing it, I went on YouTube to kind of like a last ditch attempt to maybe find something that could help me. I still have her email. Um, and she said, and your YouTube suggested your video. I watched it. For some reason, it spoke to me. So I did everything that you said you're doing. And she said, three months later, it, today I woke up happy. And she said, I really wanted to find you again, subscribe and tell you that you've helped save my life. So in that moment, I was like, holy shit. That's insane. Is it possible that maybe, just maybe, this beautiful young woman here who thought that she had no other way, like she found a way because of me? And it was just that aha moment. And I told my husband, this is what I want to do. Um, so he said, okay, if that's what you want to do, let's figure out how you're going to transition this business and no longer renew contracts and figure out how you're going to become a content creator online. And um, yeah. That's that's how I went full time into my own social media. Incredible story. Thank you. Wow. Holy. <laughs> Coming from you, especially, I'm like, no, but thank you. <laughs> you know, it's yay me. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because you don't know what you say that can really touch someone, mm. especially if you're coming at it from like the most authentic place and you're just really wanting to provide value. Like, I think that coming from things from that place is just, it's so important. And like, I mean, it's it's remarkable that Thank something you. like this like helped someone. But I really do believe that that's how the, the the way the world works. You know, if you come at it from like pure good intentions, that's Firm kind of what happens. That. And just work, yeah. work, work, work. Have a clear goal. Do it for for your authenticity and for the greater good, with a hope of you know doing something positive, and then go at it, and then literally things will happen. Just don't don't give up. Yeah. That's the thing. Because yeah. most people give up, and it could be a year, two years, three years, ten years later, you just you can't give up. It's true. It's true. So. What led you to start your skincare brand then? Because mm. now you just, you launched a skincare brand. Yes. It looks amazing. Thank you. I, like, tell us all about it. Why skincare? Tell us everything. Yes. So um, I'm a licensed esthetician and a makeup artist, right? And I love makeup. I love skincare. When I turned 30, I realized that makeup was just no longer sitting on my face the way it used to. Mm. So I really started looking for um, products that will do more than just add color mm -hmm. to my skin. So um, um, I, I there was no shortage of that. And there were plenty of brands that were bridging the gap between makeup and skincare. But I upon kind of really digging and asking questions, um, I would see things like 90%, notice this, that. So I would reach out to the brand, which you can as as a consumer. consumer yeah. Absolutely. You reach out to the brand, you're making a claim. They should be able to tell you how they came to that claim. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, who's 90%? Is that nine out of 10 in your basement and your mom, your sister, your aunt, your brother, they all notice something? Mm -hmm. Like, um, And I would get either crickets or, sorry, we cannot divulge our information, is if you're asking them what underwear size they're wearing. Like, calmate. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to ask, like, you're making a claim. How did, how, how many people? Let's start there. How many people? For how many days? That's all I'm asking. So I was shocked. I was shocked. And I started having major issues. I started having trust issues. I was like, holy shit. I can't even get a straight. I was like, okay. So um, you are making a claim that you're using active ingredients. Um, but that's like a marketing term. So like, you know, <laughs> is it formulated? Because again, and one of the things that I, I see consumers getting m misguided. Oh, it's 0.01%. It's nothing. No, no. Because 0.01% of that very potent ingredient is exactly what it may need to mm -hmm. actually perform. Yeah. 
you know, so you can't, I'm glad that we're getting more educated, but we're kind of like swinging the pendulum on the other side. It's like, yeah. well, still, we're still not getting it. Um, but, you know, if if you can at least ask a brand, was this formulated at a level of performance, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. Um, I would get crickets. So long story short, I, I just realized that I can do something better. Um, I can create a company that will create makeup and skincare products that are formulated at their actual levels of performance Mm -hmm. that are multitasking, that are transparent. So in case, you know, when I make a claim, like I'm sharing, this is how we make the claim. I want people to see like how the manufacturing process looks like. It's unsexy. Yes, this is what it is. It's unsexy. Um, But I really, really wanted to give better products. That's, that's truly what I wanted. And I've, um, I've reached out to my own community asking them, what are your must-have makeup products that you can't live without? And it was between a concealer and a foundation as the first product. But um, upon doing some more research and really educating myself, I realized that foundation, at least at the time, had the highest rate of return. How can I make that my first product? It's like business suicide. I can do that. So I went with a complexion product because in my mind, I'm like, okay, we're bootstrapping this, right? My husband and me, we're paying for this. So we told told people, okay, concealer, complexion-wise, a little bit more forgiving because you can use it up to two shades lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start with six shades because we're paying for this ourselves. But from day one that sales come in, we're going to develop the next six. We have the next six coming out this year. Amazing. So I'm really proud of myself yeah. because year one, year one of a self-funded business, um, we're going to have 12 shades. And we did what you guys did. Mm-hmm. We actually went to formulators. We went to different labs. We did not private label. Yeah, We did not private label. We employed the smartest and the greatest here in the U.S. to formulate for us. This was four years in the making, and it took a shit ton of money. But I really believed in creating this. And now, four years later, we were finally able to launch. The feedback is insane. Um, Nobody can believe, wait a minute, I can have a concealer that is using active skincare ingredients. Like it has a vitamin C. It has a hyaluronic acid and three molecular weights. Like, wait, what? And they're all at their researched levels of performance. And also for the EU, we had to back up those claims. We had to share the research, right? So you have this and you're having a mineral sunscreen like SPF 30 and like blue light protection. What? Yeah. When you said so, it was blue, there was blue light protection, I was like, ooh, mm. that's really, really on top of it because yeah. not a lot of brands talk about, you know, the importance of blue light protection, exactly. which is it's so important. And when pollution. It, yeah. Yeah. And not true. only that, but it was mind boggling to me to learn that well, companies make cruelty free claims. It's just the final product that wasn't tested on animals. I had no idea that you can actually formulate with ingredients that were tested on animals and you can wow. still put cruelty free on your label. So it, th- that's what I'm saying. Once I started peeling the layers, I was like, I can create something, but I know I can. I know makeup, but I don't know how to make makeup. So I went to all the right people that can help me make this makeup. I own my formulas and we work very clear, vegan, cruelty-free down to every ingredient. Done and done. So like incredible. And Thank I'm you. so excited. I'm so to passionate. I don't want to like take over the conversation. No. But I'm like, oh, no, baby. <laughs> like it's, that's how it should be. That means that you really care about what you're I doing. Live for you know? Her. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that's like really, I think at the core, like, I mean, think about your entire journey of like how you got to America. You mm. speak about it with the same passion. Just yeah. means that it's like lighting a fire within you. And I have to tell you that you said that because it brings it, it's, I cried. Um, And I'm getting emotional even now just talking about it. But it was my dream to come to America. So to be able to make product in America, to be able to provide jobs in America, that was... I I had the moment when I just started crying. Like when I went to the manufacturer and I saw 
you know, here I am on American soil and here are American folks working on my product. I, it was it's, it's massive. It's, yeah. it's, it, it really is the American dream. Like it, you, it is. I mean, you came from commu- like a communist mm. country. Like people can't even grasp what that was like to where you are today. I mean, I think if you were to go back and speak to little you, oh, she'd be very, very proud. Oh, she would think like, no, that's, that couldn't be. Yeah. Or I she mean, may. No, I think she might. I think she might. I think that she would be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> we, we, we did it. We did it. <laughs> if you could leave our audience with a couple of tips of what you think successful people do, like their traits, their habits. Mm. What can you leave them with? I, I literally studied this for a living. And this is one of the things that you and I were, were just talking about earlier. I like psychology. Um, I like to apply psychology in everything that I do, all my relationships, all my businesses. Um, so I would lead with um, the physiological benefits of doing certain things to become successful. Um, and they're, and probably people hear them all the time, but because they hear them all the time, maybe they don't take them too seriously or they think it's too easy. They, they don't do it. Um, wake up early. That is one of the things that I think, um, and in all the millionaires and billionaires that I have studied, um, and all their interviews, I would say probably from my estimate, again, this is just my interpretation of it. I would say for sure, a minimum of 70% of them that I've read and I've studied this intensely, they woke up at least two hours before everyone else does. So I would say wake up earlier, but again, don't go from not going to the gym to lifting 300 pound weights on each arm, go slow and steady. So start by waking up half an hour earlier every single day for the next few months and so on. Wake up early. Natural light is really important for our sleep cycle, just for mental awareness, mental health. So get as much natural light as possible. Even if you're working from home, work by a window. Read. Um, be an avid reader. Leaders are readers. And, and ideally, when I say reading is nonfiction books, um, ideally, try to treat your body and, and, and your mind with respect. And by that, I mean, try to work out. I know this is not what you're going to want to hear, but if you want to be successful, you have to be regimented and your body has to support your goals and your aspirations. So even if it's just dancing to your favorite music for 20 minutes, just getting the heart rate up, if you can, of course, check in with your doctor. That's a good way to go. And in terms of um, mental fitness, I I will say um, it, knowledge is not just powerful, it's empowering as well. So True. I highly recommend learning something new every single month. Every single month, make room. It could be either learning a different language, um, a new skill or improving on a skill, photography, whatever. Um, I taught myself how to edit. I taught myself how to do a lot of different things. So read a lot, learn something new, wake up early. That means obviously going to bed earlier too and uh, get as much natural light as possible. That's just kind of the first thing that yeah. I mean, these are all incredible tips and I think everyone can apply. I have one more. Yeah, tell us. Stop giving a shit about what other people think or say of you. Snap. You know, if you cannot pay your bills with their opinions and not even so much as wipe your ass front to back, please, with with their opinions, who cares? It's true. It's true. Alex, this has been a pleasure. Tell everyone where they can find you. Thank you so much. Uh, You can find me at Alexandra Potora. And you can find my little baby at Vrea, V-R-E-A, Cosmetics. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. 
I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.